Okay, everyone, we are here. We are live. Ready to go, New Hope Radio. And the Hope Club Podcast, of course. Never want to forget that. Don't forget, you can catch us on um, newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook, 1590 on the AM dial, 92.7 FM, and later on the Hope Club Podcast. You know, people have wondered about future events for thousands of years. Seers, psychics, mystics. They've all been employed by many people, even nations, to predict the future. Uh, Too bad they don't know what we know. That it's all laid out in the Word of God. We're in a Bible Basic series, and we're taking some time to examine some of these end times events. We noted the Antichrist, the person of the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, which is in the world right now, has been in the world since Christ, actually. We noted a little bit about the mark of the beast. Last time together, we began a mini-series on the seven seals of judgment. We saw the seven seals of judgment, part one. Today, we'll see part two. Well, we noted in part one, how many remember? The living creature cried out, Come! And the horse and the rider came on the scene. The white horse, the white rider. And that represented the arrival of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation. Then, Come! said the living creature. And the red horse and the rider came out. That represented the outbreak of war. And now the scene continues to unfold. It's like a movie. Plays across the great scroll before John. Because remember we said, what John sees is images, not words, images. Then the opening of the third seal. It brings about what follows war a black horse, and a rider. And we find it in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 5. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. Now remember that word come, it's a command. It's not come and see, it's come on out. Make your entrance. So he said, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures, and it was saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Now, let's go back to this black horse. Black is the color of grief or mourning. And the rider has a pair of scales. It means that he's going out to measure or weigh. It signifies famine, scarcity. This is what follows war, right? It could also be inflation. Because scarcity causes the raising of prices. Right? We went through that in the pandemic. We're going through it now. 
We see it today in our own country, in the whole world. Oil costs more. Gas costs more. Food costs more. Commodities cost more. We're not in the tribulation, but we see how the principle works. Everyone is feeling the pinch financially. And you know what? This is a small scale compared to what is really going to come. When this guy rides out, oh, when we get to this part of human history in the tribulation, what we're experiencing, not even close to what the people in the tribulation are going to experience. That's why today's the day of salvation. Don't you wait. Who do you think you are? You don't wait. You get Christ in your life today. Because this could happen anytime. The voice cried out in verse 6, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Now a quart is enough to feed one person for a day. A denarius was a day's pay. So think of it. A day's pay feeds one person for the day. Now what if there's four people in the family? Now you get one-fourth of the food that you need. How bad is that going to be? And then John said, I heard something like a voice. And it could be that this voice is commanding what will be. Perhaps it's a voice of rationing. That's the fear with the coming worldwide digital currency. You're going to see rationing coming on the scene. Here's the problem with digital currency. Of course, John didn't understand it. In those days, they didn't have digital currency. But it's making inroads today, isn't it? With digital currency, money can be tracked and money can be controlled by the government. It happened in China during the pandemic when the government locked down the people's bank accounts and they couldn't get to their money. It happened in Canada with the trucker strike. Remember that? The government, Mr. Trudeau, locked the banks and the truckers that were striking and blocking the roads, they didn't have access to their money. Oh, the government can do that. Digital currency? Let me tell you something. When Satan or the Antichrist brings a one-world money system, I think it's going to be digital currency. And the government will have complete control. You do what I say, or we lock down the bank. You don't get your money. It happens now with regular money. So imagine in the future. So this voice that's crying out from the center of the four living creatures, maybe it's just announcing high inflation. It's calling out to people, get ready. Everything's going to cost more. Food will be rationed. Commodities will be rationed. And you might not have access to your money unless you proclaim allegiance to the Antichrist. How many people will do that? A lot of them. Oh, yeah. They'll take the devil in dollars any day. I'll take the dollars. If I have to take the devil, I'll take the dollars and the devil. That's people's attitude. That's where they'll be. Jesus said, you know what? Better off to take the cross. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. Follow me. There'll be a much better ending for you. So in verse 7, when the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, 
What he's saying is, come on out. He's calling the next horse. And what came out was a pale horse and a rider. And John said in verse 8, And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. Ashen is greenish or pale, like a, a face gripped by fear. Or maybe a corpse, you know, like the blood just kind of runs out of the complexion. And that face is just colorless. And he who sat on it had the name Death in Hades. And he was following him. Authority was given to them over what? A fourth of the earth. To kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. A fourth of the world's population is going to die by the time this pale horse comes out. Think about it. One-fourth of the earth's population killed, dying maybe from starvation or disease, wild animals. It appears that these animals are running wild. Cities are probably broken down. You know when cities are deserted? You ever see shows where... TV shows or movies or books and, and, you know, people moved out of the cities and they're deserted. And what happens? All kinds of weeds and grass and bushes and trees grow and animals move in. They move in because the fear of man is gone. So all the animals move in and they take over. But in these cities, some people might be living in the cities and the animals are moving in anyway because they're hungry too. And they'll be taking down people. Man, can you see why this is called the Great Tribulation? Oh, not just tribulation. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation, but this is the Great Tribulation. And then the fifth seal, the martyrs, in verse 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, seven and all now, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. See, there are people that stay faithful to Christ in the worst of times. You know, that's not impossible. Don't give in. Stay faithful to Christ in the worst of times. There is no excuse not to be faithful to Christ. Come up, what you, come up with one. What are you going to tell God? Well, God, you see, this is why I wasn't faithful. He doesn't want to hear it. These people were faithful. It cost them their lives. You know what? Okay. They're like, it cost me my life to be faithful to Christ. Take it. Take it. My faithfulness is more important than my life. How many people think that way? Do you? Is your faithfulness more important than your life? Think about it. We might say it is, but how do, sometimes we live as if, as if our flesh is more important than our faithfulness, don't we? Oh yeah. Gotta satisfy that flesh. You know, the Bible tells us in Leviticus chapter four, verse seven, in the Old Testament, here's what it says. The priest shall also put some of the blood 
on the horns of the altar, this is from the sacrifice, a fragrant incense, which is before the Lord and the tent of meeting. And all the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar, a burnt offering, which is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So that blood was an offering to God, right? The offering, the blood from the animals. Here, their lifeblood, lifeblood of the martyrs, has been poured out as an offering to God. God sees it as a beautiful offering. Gave your life for me. The greatest gift someone can give to someone is their own life. Didn't Jesus do that for us? Didn't he make his life an offering for us? Of course he did. And, you know, superficial people think that their lives are the most important thing. And they keep their lives to themselves. And what did Jesus say? If you seek to save your life, ooh, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you'll save it. So we're talking about priorities here. So think about it. In the Great Tribulation, there's going to be, I would say, a vast number of people that get saved and they stay faithful to Christ in spite of all this chaos and all of this tribulation and, oh, Antichrist is on the throne and he's, Christianity is outlawed and these people are faithful. They get it. They're staying faithful. And in verse 10, you know what they did? They cried out with a loud voice. And they said, how long, O Lord, holy and true? See, even though they lost their lives, right? They still call the Lord holy and true. People today get mad at God for the smallest things. Oh, life doesn't go their way. They get mad at God. Here are people that were martyrs in the Great Tribulation. And God is still holy and true. And they said, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? See, they were bewildered by God's seeming inactivity. To them, it's like, Lord, what are you doing? Let's go. We're kind of like that, aren't we? I pray all the time, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I do. I get aggravated in the world at, at life, and I'm like, Jesus, come right now. Just come. But I know he's waiting for more people to get in the lifeboat. I know that. He's waiting for more people to get saved. But it's like, that seems to be a prayer, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus. I mean, come now. All, this world is crazy. Get me out of here. And these martyrs under the altar, they're like, Lord, how long? How long before you avenge our death? When will you come and take care of these evil people? They were bewildered. In verse 11, there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. Wow. It's like God knows how many people, how many believers from the tribulation are going to be killed. He knows how many martyrs there are going to be. And he's waiting until that last number is completed. That's what he's waiting for. I think God's waiting for two things. In the tribulation, 
He's going to wait for that last martyr to be killed. And right now in the church age, I think he's waiting for, waiting for that last person to be saved. And then boom, going up. And when we get to heaven, I'm going to find that guy. And I'm going to say, what took you so long? <laughs> what the heck were you waiting for? Why didn't you get saved earlier? We could have been ex- escaped all this craziness. But anyway, I like what one person said, William Barclay. At the back of it is the idea that all history is in the hand of God and that in it and through it all, he is working his purpose out to its certain end. I guess that's something we need to remember. That yes, you know, we know we use it as a as a cliche. God is in control. But we've got to realize history is in the hands of God. He is God. He's God Almighty. He's God all powerful. He's God all sovereign. And he does according to his plan, as he pleases within his own attributes. So let's remember that. That's why we can have great faith and great trust in who he is. Now, the sixth seal. Earth and space are going to change. In verse 12, John said, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. And the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth. Notice, stars, not one, many. They fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain an island were moved out of their places. Are you kidding me? These will be calamities in nature at the highest degree. And you know what the response of the people will be on the earth? You're not going to believe it. Verse 15. Then, oh, the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong, and every slave and free man, huh, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They were hiding. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Oh, now they're recognizing God. But in their recognition of God, they still do the wrong thing. They still refuse to accept Christ. In verse 17, it says, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? No one. Oh, right now, they're all full of their own stuff. But the day will come. Now, what I just read here is the prophecy of Joel being fulfilled. This prophecy has not been fulfilled, okay? It's for the tribulation. You'll hear preachers preach it 
and say, no, this already happened. No, it didn't. The moon hasn't turned red. Stars haven't fallen from the sky. There hasn't been great earthquakes and mountains moving. Joel said, chapter 2, verse 30, God is speaking, and he said, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. See, the day of the Lord is the return of Christ, the second coming. So all this happens right before the second coming, which is in the great tribulation. And he said, but listen, there's still hope. It will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. But these people, they're not calling on the name of the Lord. They're calling on the names of the mountains. They'd rather hide than call on God. Instead of repenting and saying, Oh, Lord, forgive us, now we know. They hide They say, Mountains, hide us, fall on us, bury us so God can't see us. That's what they're saying. See, there's always an opportunity. As long as you're alive, there's an opportunity for salvation. When you're dead, you're dead. God has even given people an opportunity. They got the mark of the beast. Can they be saved? People argue both ways. I think you can repent from anything as long as you're alive. That's what I think. They had a reconsideration, so to speak. So these birth pangs of the earth before the return of Christ, and the earth is born anew. Jesus talked about this. In his ministry, he mentioned this in Matthew 24. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Wow. Jesus quoted that. He said that in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and 25 is about the great tribulation. It's about end times. It's not for today. It's about a time to come. So what do we have? Here's what we have. We've looked at the first six seals of the tribulation. Number one, the arrival of the Antichrist. He's going to show up on the scene. He's going to bring a sense of peace. He's going to bring the world together. But then the second seal will open and there'll be war. Then at the end of the war, the third seal is opened. And what follows war? Famine, inflation, rationing, pestilence, and then the fourth seal is opened, and what follows that? Death. People will die. One-fourth of the earth's population will die. And then the next seal, number five, John sees the martyrs under the altar, those that died and the Great Tribulation. They stayed faithful to the end. Let that be your motto. Faithful 
to the end. Jesus was faithful to the end for us. Let's be faithful to the end for him. We're living in the church age. We're not going to see the tribulation. So our challenge to be faithful is nowhere nearly as great as those that get saved in the tribulation. (laughs) Their challenge is going to be like out of sight. Come on, ours isn't that great. Ours just has to do with the flesh, pampering the flesh. That's all. So do what you can to stay faithful to God, like the martyrs were in the tribulation. And then the sixth seal. Physical changes on the earth. Oh, physical changes above the earth. And we still have the non-repentance of mankind. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? How can your head be that hard that with all this that's happening, you don't cry out to God and say, oh God, save me. But they're not doing it. I guess when you have a lifetime of bad decisions, it's kind of tough to change. You have a habit of making bad decisions. The more of a habit you have, of making bad decisions, the more difficult it is to make good decisions. Think about that. The more someone lies, the more difficult it is to tell the truth. The more someone steals, the more difficult it is to be honest. So the more you sin in a certain area, the more difficult it'll be to be right. And that's what's happening in the tribulation. Non-repentance of man. Next time we're together, we're going to note what Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse. It's a message he gave from the Mount of Olives, warning of these seals of judgment, and then we'll examine the seventh seal. the more I think about these scriptures, the more importance I see of the Hope Club. The Hope Club podcast. We don't want anybody going through these things in the tribulation if it came right now. We want people far and wide to hear the good news of Christ. That's why if you join newhoperadio.live, go to the menu bar, fill out the info, commit three bucks a week, You'll help spread our podcasts. We're going all over the world. We're in 31 countries. That's incredible. Over 5,000 downloads just last year of our messages. And we'll send you an email every morning to help you build your faith as well. Help us out. NewHopeRadio.live.